Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome into another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, along with Will Raggetts of Sports Illustrated and Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune for our weekly Raggetts Roundtable inside TCO Performance Center. And uh, guys, uh, I feel like it has been a really long time since we've had a football game to preview. You interested in this one? How how are we feeling? I was like, wait, so the Raiders? Is there an angle there for the Raiders? That like that. Is there any more, oh, that franchise is still around, huh, than the Las Vegas Raiders? I mean, this game feels like so much a game that they should just win or stop bothering that, like, what do we say about this? Well, I guess Max Crosby could sack some people. Where do you want to take us, Will? Because this game, it's only interesting because of the Josh Dobbs. It could go in a way where we feel really good about Dobbs by the end of this game or really bad. Uh, but that seems to be the only angle leading into this one. That's what I was thinking about, too, is it's it's one of those games. It's been such a roller coaster of a season for the Vikings where early on they had a few tests. It was Carolina. It was Chicago where I was like, all right, you got to win this game or I, I'm done caring about the competitive portion of this season because you're not a serious football team. And they won those games barely. And then out of nowhere, uh, ripped off a five game winning streak. We start to talk about maybe there could be some possibilities for for this being more fun than we thought. Uh, and then. You lose to the Broncos, sure, and then you lose to the, come crashing down. You lose to the Bears in horrific fashion. So now we're back, kind of at square one, almost where you have to win this game for me to still be interested in talking about. All right, maybe this team gets into the postseason. What can they do? If you lose this game, uh, Vegas just is not a good team. You're not going to be like mathematically eliminated or anything like that. It's it's such a mess of of teams at six and six that you can afford to lose it in theory. But when you close with those three NFC North games. Going to Cincinnati looks a little bit more difficult after what Jake Browning did on Monday night than I thought it would be. So you have to win this game. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the interesting thing to me. And then we can talk about uh, Josh Dobbs and whether we agree with the coaching staff's decision there. Yeah, the Vikings have um, really nothing to gain from this game, but everything to lose. If you lose this game and you're at six and seven, I don't like their chances of uh, being a playoff team or really looking like much of a playoff team. If you have back to back losses against the Bears and then the Raiders. So to me, this is absolutely a game where you just got to get your head back above water, um, make yourself relevant again, and have Josh Dobbs feel like you can have that confidence behind what he can do. Because I think this decision really gives them the highest ceiling, even if it gives them a pretty low floor with him at quarterback. 
Maybe we should play a game of what if they win? What if they lose? Uh, I'll, I'll start. Uh, if they win, I'll go, oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you <laughs> yeah. go. I mean, maybe, maybe I am, maybe there's disrespect. We wouldn't want that in football. You don't want any disrespect, but maybe I'm disrespecting the Raiders by just saying, ah, I mean, there's nothing on paper. If Jimmy Garoppolo was playing, I'd go, Hey, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy can get hot. Jimmy can play pretty well at times. And, uh, you know, it fell apart there, but I would still be saying, well, he's beaten the Vikings before in the past and he's got Devonte Adams and maybe this is interesting, but it's a backup quarterback who has wins against the giants and jets and has been pretty terrible. Otherwise, I think he took the chargers close to the end and then threw an interception and that was it. So he hasn't been one of those Jake Browning. Wow. This guy suddenly surprises us like a Matt Flynn type of thing. It's really been, Oh no, no. He's like a fourth round rookie that really can't play, but they're just stumbling to the end, maybe hoping that they can get a higher draft pick so they can pick their quarterback. That's where that franchise stands. So it, someone try to convince me that if they win, that's, Really exciting. Someone. <laughs> I think it's it's tough to do. I, I think the Raiders team can't be like totally tossed out as being like Panthers level bad because of the star talent on the roster. Like Max Crosby is one of those elite kind of edge rushers that can wreck a game. The Vikings need Brian O'Neill to be a lot better than he was against Montez Sweat. Uh, offensively, it's like you're handing the ball off to Josh Jacobs. You're throwing to Devonte Adams and Jacoby Myers. It's uh, it's a pretty good offensive line. Colton Miller and and those guys like it's. It's a good setup for a quarterback, but he is a fourth-round rookie quarterback. Um, he's not like a Jake Browning who hasn't been playing very much but has been in the NFL for several years and has been learning and um, biding his time. Like This guy has struggled a little bit. I think there's been some flashes I've seen on Twitter from Raiders people of, of accuracy and, and footwork and things like that, but it's I mean that's you're, you're stretching it to be too encouraged by what Aiden O'Connell has shown so far. So I don't really know that I can – drum up of any better of an argument than hey you, you go to on the road it's tough to win nfl games on the road uh they got a few good players is it on the uh, road it's gonna be a lot of it, vikings fans for sure yeah this is the road venue quote unquote that just becomes a home venue for everybody um you didn't do it well you didn't sell it to me i don't think you sold it to matt uh so it's hard to sell it to anybody because this game is just about the vikings it's just about josh dobbs it's just about them playing well um one fun fact i did hear that antonio pierce refers to himself in the third person at press conferences he'll say there's a real learning lesson for ap out there so really you yeah i you, love that i want to hear those now you can't lose to the jeff saturday slash antonio pierce slash i mean i'm sure he's you know a, a decent assistant coach and climb his way up there but you can't lose to the interim head coach you just can't this is about the vikings and they've already had their kind of, we fired our coach and we're all going to prove that it was the former mm -hmm. coach's fault. But when you have this quarterback playing, even if your talent is decent in other places, they're not a roster that you look at as having really many advantages in any areas against yeah. the Vikings. Like if we went position by position, even at quarterback, the Vikings are here talking about, well, well maybe we'll bench him. Still quite the advantage with Josh Dobbs over Aiden O'Connell. Maybe they're running back, but it's not like Josh Jacobs has had a good year. Uh, their offensive line is just okay, but it's certainly not great. How many Raiders defensive players that aren't Max Crosby can you name right now off the top of your head? Yeah, they cut one of them, Marcus uh, Peters. The former TCU safety, Morig. Javon Morig. Yeah, yeah, their boom. leading tackler and interceptor is Robert Spillane, the linebacker. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, that's... I, I have seen him. 
because uh, you know I just watched a Raiders game and he had an interception. So like, oh, okay. Uh, no, but their defense actually has improved, and it's not a laughing stock, but it's like middle of the league for them. That's like a championship, considering yeah, how yeah. bad Raiders defenses have been in, in past years. But even the Vikings have a better defense. They have a better offense. They have a better coaching situation. They have a better franchise vibe overall uh, from one that has essentially just been on fire since like 2003. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and they have a better home field advantage here with half of the state of Minnesota flying out to Las Vegas this week. And that's why the what if they lose part of this is a lot easier to talk about. What if they lose is do not use the word playoffs to me the rest of the way. Don't use the word bridge quarterback to me the rest of the way. Like it feels unfair and unfortunate to say, Josh Dobbs, if you can't do it in this week, then I just don't buy into you as any sort of future option. And they should play Jaron Hall the rest of the way to put it all on one game, because of course you can have one bad game. And yet that also does feel fair because the priors matter. The fact that the guy is a journeyman matters. And the fact that he threw four interceptions in his last game and his coach is talking about benching him, all those things matter. And and so there is a, if you lose, uh, then we just need to start talking about Jaden Daniels and and, and the quarterback situation for the future. We could see a quarterback switch in this game, potentially, if if Josh Dobbs doesn't turn around quickly. Yeah, we could. I mean, Kevin O'Connell has left the door open for that. I I think... With, the, with this quarterback decision, I, I agree with it. I mean, I think that this is the move. They're they're not thinking about, all right, let's take a look at Jaron Hall, see if he might be the guy for next year. They're, they're thinking about winning this game, and I, I understand that. You're 6-6. Six and six. Um, you've, you've had some unexpected circumstances being without Justin Jefferson, losing your starting quarterback, but there's still, if you can get back to that level against Atlanta and against New Orleans, there's still some like friskiness of maybe you get in and maybe you can win a game or something like that. I don't think it's likely at all with what we saw from from Josh Dobbs against uh, the Bears and even against the Broncos. But I agree with the decision to go back to him. I just think so many people have wanted to see Jaron Hall, and that's been all over my Twitter mentions. And I, and I understand it to some degree because it's the unknown. It's the like you've, you've brought up Kyle Sloter. It's people will always want to see something that they don't know. And it's exciting. He's a rookie. But I mean, Aiden O'Connell's a fourth-round rookie. He's playing like a fourth-round rookie. Jaron Hall was taken in the fifth round. Like, probabilistically, what are the chances that he is going to come in and play really well? I just don't think that's very high. I think people will point to, like, that drive against the Falcons where he didn't do a whole lot of throwing to guys that weren't wide open. That I just, passed to Madison, though. I yeah, I mean, he, he, looked off, infamy. he looked off the safety or whatever, but Madison was wide open. It, it's... I'm I'm not trying to like discredit Jaron Hall or say I don't think there's any chance he could no, be no. somewhat interesting in the future maybe mm-hmm. but for this week I think you can't throw out what Dobbs did those first two games because of how poorly he played in the last game so I I agree with the decision here and then but then if he struggles yeah be be quick with the hook and 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 go to Nick Mullins or go to Jaron Hall let's, let's see somebody else because um, you can't just let it continue to to kind of slide. Yeah, this is about what Josh Dobbs can do for you on any given play, which is save it, which is if if uh, Ed Ingram, Garrett Bradbury, somebody blows a block, this guy can spin out of it and make something happen. And it could also be just an atrocious play that turns into a turnover. So they need to try to ride that that wave and try to kind of find the middle ground and tow it. And because this defense is playing so well, the the water level is pretty low that they need to get up to in terms of just 20 points, 25 points to win a game. Um, I'm not shocked that they didn't consider Jaron Hall, that Kevin O'Connell basically said, we went and watched 
Nick Mullins tape. We went and watched Josh Dobbs tape. Uh, they didn't make any mention of saying, you know, we really took a long, hard consideration of putting the rookie back in there. Um, I think that's because they understand the best chances to win are the two guys that have the most NFL experience. You've got a lot of weapons right now that it's a disservice to Jordan Addison's development. It's a disservice to Justin Jefferson's youth and window to put a rookie in there right now and just say, well, we're going to figure out what we got in this fifth rounder because it looks more like Dorian Thompson Robinson. It looks more like Aiden O'Connell more often than not. Um, and honestly, I think it would look that way with Jaron Hall. Just it, I don't think it would look good. So uh, it's going to be Dobbs until it's not. And and I wouldn't be shocked that if we see an early turnover, uh, they've had, what, five, six opening drives with turnovers in, in this season? At least. If they have a seventh, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a switch that quickly just because of how on edge they are about needing to get this back on track. And and Mullins is, is the QB, too, in this guy. I think that's been yeah. made pretty yeah. clear. And people will maybe be surprised by that, but... The only reason Jaron Hall started that game against the Falcons is because he was literally the only quarterback. Yeah. Nick Mullins was hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk Cousins uh, was hurt. Josh Dobbs was had gotten traded or gotten acquired like four days earlier. So that's why Hall was in there. It'll, it'll be Mullins if Dobbs stinks it up in the first half even. Yeah, I, I don't want to declare that Jaron Hall could never be a good NFL quarterback uh, without seeing more. But I think when you take the accumulation of what they've seen in practice. Uh, A famous head coach once said, I see him every day in practice. And uh, I think without saying that Kevin O'Connell has also said that, like he's seen a huge sample size of Jaron Hall and doesn't feel like he is ready to be in this discussion yet. Uh, Probably if he had played against Atlanta, we would have a a better idea of what it looked like. And maybe we underappreciated him. I don't know. I think they were just trying to like survive that game and get through until they could play Dobbs. That was the way they talked about it too. They talked about acquiring a guy who had been starting and was real smart so he could learn the offense real fast to get into the game. Like that's how it was discussed when he got here that we expected him to be the starter going forward uh, anyway. So Jaron Hall shouldn't really be part of that conversation unless they are out of the playoff race. But in my mind, you lose this game, you're out of the playoff race. I saw a stat from uh, PFF's Timo Risky today that if the Vikings get to nine, they have like a 90% chance to get in. If they're at eight, it's like 30%. So that in terms of wins. And if they lose to the Raiders, you can't convince me they're getting to nine with two games against Detroit and a game against Green Bay mixed in. And as you mentioned, that team in Cincinnati has Jamar Chase and lots of other weapons and playmakers that could beat you as well. If they lose, how hyperbolic do we want to get about what kind of catastrophe it is? Do we want to go, ah, well, you know, it was fun while it lasted. Do we want to go, this season was a waste and we should have tanked? Wait. That's been me. Uh, how how where where on the scale would we want to go if they're not able to beat the Raiders? I think it would be it would be a bad look for just the, the team that's gone out on the field the last few weeks. So it'd be a wasted opportunity, really, because I mean, when Kirk Cousins went down, the season sort of was like, all right, we're playing with house money here. Like there's there's not a lot of upside and there's it's very easy to write it off with the excuse of we just lost our starting quarterback who's playing at a really high level but with the way the defense has played and with the way that some of the pieces around Josh Dobbs on the offense are playing Christian Darrisaw and Jordan Addison TJ Hawkinson getting Justin Jefferson back now like it would just be kind of a shame if you can't go beat the Raiders and, and keep your season competitive for at least one more week um, and you, you lose that game to the Bears and you're just looking back at this season and you go back early in the season, you're like, man, if we didn't 
turn the ball over three, four times a game. Like, what if? And I think it would be really frustrating if you're on the Vikings defense and you play well again and they just can't find any sort of rhythm on offense because the quarterback can't stop turning it over or, or complete the simple dig route within the rhythm and timing of the offense, things like that. It would it would be frustrating to be like Josh Metellus and be like, I'm, I'm playing so well this year and this defense is playing so well and we can't do it. I'm not going to say like, oh, they they should have tanked as soon as Kirk went down because I don't know. You, you never know in this league. Like I think that the how fun that Falcons game was and that Saints game was like you can't totally forget about that. Um, I think you could make an argument uh, for sure that maybe they should have done that. But uh, I think it would just be kind of a, a missed opportunity, which a lot of people would not feel great about. Folks, is there any better way to spend the holidays than attending sports? Knowing you guys, I'm guessing the answer is no. Well, there is a way to get to all of the events that you want to get to during the holiday season with affordable tickets. My friends, you are going to want to check out the Game Time app. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets to everything sports and also much, much more shows, concerts, all on game time. One of the cool parts about game time is that they have flash deals on last minute tickets and a low price guarantee, which means if you find something lower in the section or row, they will credit you 110%. You also get images of your seat location, which I love because those maps can be a little confusing. Buy tickets in seconds, have them arrive right to your phone it's great. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, I think it was uh, Caleb Evans had mentioned that those last three games, uh, two against the Lions, one against the Packers, kind of already look like playoff games for them. And I would argue that that starts already this Sunday, because if you don't win these next two to get to that point to prove that you belong in that wild card race or in the NFC playoffs, I don't I think you can already write yourself off at this point if you lose on Sunday. And I don't think we can get too hyperbolic about it, because um, if they lose, I think you still kind of found something in, in the development of these defenders and, and some of the talent you acquired in Josh Dobbs, um, maybe a Dalton Reisner for the future. I think there's still something to that. But at the same time, this loss can be everything about just where this season is headed in the next five weeks because it could be nowhere. And, and I, I think that uh, you would have to toe a line between saying, did you mismanage what you thought you could do with Josh Dobbs? Like when Kirk goes down 90% of the time, your season is over when your starting quarterback goes down. It is not a coincidence that no team above the sixth seed in the NFL right now has an injured quarterback, except for Trevor Lawrence, but he'll come back and he's been healthy the whole season. Everybody else's quarterbacks are healthy, but you get Josh Dobbs. You say, Daniil Hunter's going to stay. We're not going to trade him away. And we're going to say, no, no, we're the exception. We're going to make the playoffs. We are different than all the teams that lose their quarterbacks and miss the postseason. And if you lose this game and you're basically out of this thing, or at least for all intents and purposes, then 
I don't know how you don't go back to that moment and say, did you guys really think that you were going to be different than everyone else? But it seemed like there was a lot of pressure on Kwesi Adafo-Mensa from Kevin O'Connell, from the locker room, coming off of that Packers win. And it's this is just how much things change in a week, right? Like if they win, we're like, oh, okay, playoffs are still on. Carry on, carry on. None of this that I'm about to say matters. But it's very similar to 2020 where they won the game to go two and five after beating the Packers. Then they went, oh, we could beat Carolina. We should. Right. And it's going to have that same vibe. And then, hey, look where you're drafting. That will have to be part of the conversation if they don't win that you so overestimated yourself. I also wanted to ask you guys where Justin Jefferson fits into this, because if you don't win with Justin Jefferson, then obviously they should trade him. No, that's a joke. Uh, but. If you lose, you have to keep playing for the playoffs. You really can't switch to Jaron Hall, even if I think that's the right move, because you have to keep playing as hard as you can with Justin Jefferson, right? Yeah, you, you definitely do. I mean, he, his presence coming back is going to be a big story of these next five weeks and uh, how he can kind of fit in with Josh Dobbs. I think there's some potential there of, of Jefferson, who has said that he's never really played with a mobile quarterback. I mean, Joe Burrow a little bit more than Kirk Cousins, but... Like some of those times when Dobbs spins out of something and is is rolling around, it's kind of the, the scramble situation. Like Jefferson is a really instinctive receiver. It seems like he could, he'll be able to get open in some of those situations. But yeah, if you if you lose this game, you have to keep trying. And I, I agree with you. I think if they lose, they should put in Jaron Hall maybe and try to see what they have for the future. But I don't think that's even a possibility at this point. I, I just think I don't. You can look back certainly if they lose and be like, maybe we should have handled things differently at the deadline. I just don't know how differently things would have turned out anyways with how razor thin the margin seems to be with these Vikings games, no matter who they're playing or who's that quarterback or like there's all, they're always one score games. I don't know. Maybe you trade Daniel Hunter. Maybe that costs you one win or something. I don't know. Like as great as Daniel Hunter has been, I don't think you trade him and then suddenly everything falls apart and you're losing every game by 20. I mean, maybe if you, the argument would be you play Jaron Hall and you don't even try to win games, but I don't know how you sell that to a locker room that was part of a five-game winning streak. I guess some of that happened after the trade deadline. But I don't know. Like, I don't know how much it changes things anyways to the point of, oh, they're going to end up picking 19th when, like, I would rather be picking 11th. I don't – there's so much talent on the roster I, to, at, at certain spots. I don't know if you end up 11th without just blatantly tanking, which you can't really do. I, I, I think the Vikings might – and this is just my guess. They might have the general manager who would embrace that kind of thinking of, like, hey – Ripping everything apart, rebuilding seems like the more you know, easiest way to go with the highest probability of us rebuilding to a champion. But I don't think with the head coach, with the culture that they're building, I think that's just the antithesis of what they're trying to do here. And I think O'Connell kind of in what the Wilfs really want kind of aligns there. The Wilfs want to be relevant. They want to be, what is it, the competitive rebuild, right? They want to continue to try to do the Steelers way of, Hey, is it working for Pittsburgh right now? I don't know. I don't really think so. But they want to continue to try to be in that conversation year in and year out and be considered winners. And I think this is the route they're going to go. And I don't think there was ever any consideration of truly ripping this apart. Um, I think if the Kirk injury maybe happened earlier in the year, maybe. But um, I just think this is one of those franchises that's not run by a Bidwell, not run by a Tepper, not run by somebody who is a little more knee jerk and probably wanting to just rip it to shreds and start over. Yeah. And I totally understand all the context of that. And as you mentioned, like, uh, you know, you've had all these players develop and so forth and 
you want to create winning culture and everything, all, all that stuff. But if you trade the Neil Hunter, no, you don't immediately go whatever four and 12 or four and 13, but you would have a second round pick, maybe even potentially a high second round pick, depending on who traded for him, or at least another one to potentially help you trade up when you're looking for your quarterback. And the Steelers are a great example because once their all time great quarterback got old and ends up retiring, then they have to draft. 20th to take Kenny Pickett and when they draft 20th like that back end of the first round doesn't really have a great history unless you land on Lamar Jackson which is a totally unique situation uh, where the NFL completely miscalculated the man's ability to throw a football but Kenny Pickett was a 24 year old small hands mediocre college quarterback who Jordan Addison made look pretty decent for a year and was never really a great prospect and that's not where you really want to live is, uh, well, I guess we'll just that guy because he's the one there and we desperately need a quarterback. So is it going to be the difference between if you draft 12th, but also have another second round draft pick trade up to what? Right. I mean, it was ninth to first last year. You're not getting to first this year, but could you go ninth, 10th to fifth? to take Jaden Daniels, right? Like th th it does matter. And that's the most second guessable thing that we're going to do the same way that we look back and go, they could have sucked for luck, but they had to win that one game on Christmas Eve or whatever that, oh, you all celebrated the culture for that one, right? It's just a hard argument to defeat. If And if they win this game, then I won't bring it up for a while. But if they end up missing the playoffs, it has to be mentioned that when we get to draft day and they're drafting 18th, that that's a pretty hard place to move up from. Uh, not impossible, though. So uh, anyhow, you guys excited for the game? Does that make you more excited? What what do we think of what do we think of the process that Kevin O'Connell has gone through with Josh Dobbs here to try and get the most out of Josh Dobbs? Should we a be second guessing O'Connell? Why were you having him run the Kirk Cousins offense against Chicago anyway? Or should we be saying getting together with Dobbs, communicating with Dobbs, working to his strengths speaks well of the future with Kevin O'Connell and quarterbacks? Which angle would you take? I mean, it's a cop out. I think it's both. I, I don't know. Like when watching that tape, it was weird that the way that they really didn't use him uh, in the dual threat kind of mode that he was against the Falcons and he was in the Saints. I don't know how much of that was a bad game plan from the Vikings, how much of it was the Bears defense kind of dictating things and not really allowing that. I think it was probably both. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kevin O'Connell sitting down with Josh Dobbs after that game, watching film um, that, that can only help when, when you're just trying to get on the same page. I think that's a big thing is just trying to get in each other's head and think, all right, here's how I'm seeing this. Here's how, the intent behind this. Here's what you want to be looking at. Here's the timing of it. And, it's hard to get up to speed on those things and make up for so much lost time. Like Kirk Cousins was just, I mean, not only has he been in the league for a lot longer than Josh Dobbs, but he had been in the system for a lot longer and he was really understanding the why on every play and, and um, getting, you know, tying his feet to his eyes and, and going through the reads and making the right decision. And it's a tough thing to catch up on when you don't have all those reps banked and going back to OTAs and in training camp and um, an entire season last year, like it's going to be hard, but I think, it's possible to just try to get to a place where you're, you're competent in that um, area of, of playing quarterback. And you have to get there where you can hit the simple slant route uh, or a simple in route to Jordan Addison and not throw it hard and behind him. And it ends up being an interception like that. You just have to be able to get there. And then if you can get there, I think Dobbs still offers some of that magic upside with his legs. If you can 
um, incorporate some more of that and, and not have him maybe be spinning out and turning his back to the, the end zone you're going towards and trying to do crazy things like we saw the first couple of games, but step up in the pocket and find a lane and, and get out of it and roll to your right and, and find Justin Jefferson downfield. Like I think they have to adjust the game plan a little bit, um, try to fit what Josh Dobbs does well, um, and, and then go from there and see if you can't kind of find a little bit of, of that magic again. I think from a coaching perspective, it's important to remember how we kind of got to that point on Monday night against the Bears where they, they have his first start against the Saints. They do the little zone read for the first time on a third down, and we're thinking, hey, look at this. They're actually doing it. And then they go into Denver on Sunday night, and the first drive, they try to get him out on a trick play, and he gets drilled. And everyone's saying, why are you running your quarterback against a psychotic person in Kareem Jackson? Uh, which, yeah, in that given situation, probably wasn't the best call. But then they kind of tightened up against the Chicago and said, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to run him. We're going to kind of just sit back, make him a pocket passer. Chicago leaned into that. They played more of a five-wide front and tried to keep him in the pocket. So that meant that even the improvisational stuff was limited from Josh because the only place he could escape was directly backward, which, as we've seen, is not always the greatest. Um, so I think the coaches need to find that balance just as Josh is trying to find it in terms of a risk-taking perspective of how much do they put him in the line of fire. They're not used to doing this. They didn't have a mobile quarterback before. Um, so I think this is a learning thing. And O'Connell said the one – he says so much at the podium. But the one line that really stood out to me was when he said, this happened really fast for Josh, but it also happened fast for us in terms of him coming in here and being the new guy of our offense and us having to figure out how we coach around him. So, yeah, there were some growing pains on that Monday night loss that was just as much on the coaching staff as it was on Josh for how ineffective they were against Chicago. Um, and, and I think they're going to – lean more into his mobility moving forward. It's just they're going to be lucky that Kareem Jackson is not playing on the other side. How much will it shape how you feel about Kevin O'Connell, what we see over these last five games? Because up until last week, I hadn't seen anyone except for just the fringe person with, you know, Kirk Cousins avatar or whatever that's Vikes fan 477, Uh, but normal people. I haven't seen any of those talking about Kevin O'Connell and there, you know, there's a little like should hired Harbaugh. Like, okay. All right. Everybody take a deep breath. But it was really the first time coming out of Chicago where I saw a lot of people, even rational people saying what, like, should we believe in O'Connell as much as we did a couple of weeks ago? Or was that Atlanta thing just like kind of a one-off with him and was last year smoking mirrors? Like it's crazy how fast this stuff happens in the NFL, how narratives change, how feelings about people change. Even Josh Dobbs, where he has one bad game and the coach is talking about potentially benching him, but that's sort of the nature of the business. If they do lose this game, if they do sputter down the stretch and finish with seven wins or something, how how is everyone going to look at Kevin O'Connell if that happens? I, I think O'Connell can kind of only look impressive here. I don't think I, I it wouldn't be great if they really continue to struggle and you're thinking, all right, where are these adjustments from from this offensive guru and and why is this not working a little bit better? Um, but for the most part, at least at least is how I feel about it. Like if they do turn this around and start playing well with Dobbs and, and win these games and get in the postseason, like that's really impressive from O'Connell's standpoint. And, and I was extremely impressed by what he was able to do just against the Falcons, throwing with Dobbs thrown into the fire there and you know, talking him through the these things in the headset up to fifteen seconds and um the first half against the Saints. Like I, I think the circumstances of Kirk Cousins going down 
make it hard for me to to look too kind of unfavorably on on O'Connell if this doesn't go great. Um, the one thing I will say with with O'Connell is that's been kind of um, frustrating. I don't know if baffling is the right word. Is just the continued lack of kind of that killer instinct to put teams away, and it's happened a bunch this year. It happened against the Bears. It happened against the Saints, where you you have the lead, you have the ball, you're up one score. And you choose to hand it off and make the other team burn their timeouts and trust your defense. And I get it to some degree, especially without Kirk Cousins, although it happened with Kirk Cousins too, that you're trusting your defense, which has played really, really well. You're trying to be risk averse. I get it. But when you put so much on your defense, like they've done a bunch this year where they're hold them to field goal, field goal, field goal. And I I just hold them to one more field goal or or get one more stop. Like that's so much to ask of a defense um, that has played well, even best defense in the league. That'd be a lot to ask of them to keep going out there and keep going out there and not give up a, a blown coverage, 36 yard throw to DJ Moore. Like those things happen. So I just, I would like to see Kevin O'Connell even, and it's a little different when your quarterback has thrown four interceptions in the game already, but in general, when you're up, like just try to put a team away, play to win, throw the ball a little bit. You can you can design concepts where there's some easy completions that will then still keep the clock running, but also have a chance for maybe some yak. Like I just the the, the two handoffs in a row to Alex Madison that are inevitably going to get two yards, and then a third and eight where you throw a screen. Like let's just let's be a little more aggressive than that. That's my one Kevin O'Connell rant. Uh, I think I think you're right. I think this season has already been a success for Kevin O'Connell for the Vikings. Um, and they get the excuse of the Kirk Cousins injury. But that means that the expectations are so much lower that a win at Atlanta is going to be looked back at as one of the greatest moments of this season because of what Josh did uh, and what Kevin O'Connell did coaching him through their plays, you know, as he's up at the line, like those are the kind of things that show how great of a coach he is, even if they put together a bad game plan, which happens, happens with Sean McVay, happens with Kyle Shanahan, all of these coaches. So I think we're coming off probably as one of his worst moments of the season. Um, even if they continue to have some bad moments in the division to end the season, I think there's going to be a lot of reasons for that. Namely the fact that you don't have your starting quarterback and caller, I think you said it, I can't remember which game it was, but it was one of these NFL games where there was a backup quarterback in play and people were questioning the head coach. And it's like, that's what it looks like when the backup quarterback's in there. Then the head coach is all of a sudden a good coach is going to get questioned about what he's doing because it's not going to look right or well. Um, Vikings fans need to expect that. And I think the rest of the NFL expects that maybe more than Vikings fans do um, from this team right now, even though they're six and six and still in the hunt. Um, this team is just going to be kind of a fringe relevant team, no matter what Josh does, because he's not going to come in and continue to play lights out every single week. Folks, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about prize picks this year, but if you've missed it, here's how it works. You go to prizepicks.com, and it is simple. You pick either more or less between two and six players' stat projections, and that's it. Now you're playing. So if it's X number of yards for a quarterback, you just decide, are they going to throw for more or less than that number of yards? But it works with lots of different options, receiving yards, touchdowns, even field goals, all sorts of sports as well. Prizepicks.com slash purple. Go there. Use the code purple for the first deposit match up to $100. One of the reasons I like prize picks, it is very simple to use. You'd see how we do it on the show real quick and easy and then we talk about our picks and also not expensive either you can turn ten dollars into 250 by nailing just a couple of picks so go to prizepicks.com purple the code purple daily fantasy sports made easy 
So I think uh, you guys are being extremely rational in an irrational world uh, about this. And look, I mean, when Dobbs first took over, or actually it was going to be Jaron Hall, we did this very roundtable, and my sentiment was everybody might want to like just prepare themselves for what backup quarterback land looks like because it's been a long time. And the last time you saw it, it was Case Keenum and Minneapolis Miracle, and that almost never happens, and that's why that season was a miracle. And they had the number one defense in the NFL in, I think, rushing, passing, third downs, like everything, right? Uh, this defense is good. It's not quite that. But I I, I was trying to like, okay, we, it's been a while since we've all seen this, but it could get pretty rough out there. And then they win those couple of games, and well, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. And then the last few weeks, it's come back to it's regressed back to that. But I, I feel like in this NFL world, it, the excuses just don't fly. And even if they're exactly right, like it's a backup quarterback and you lost your guy, you were never going to just you know run rough shot through the league and end up in the NFC championship. Wade Wilson wasn't walking through the door to take you there. But that's not how anyone thinks in football. It's oh, there's an L next to that game. You did everything wrong. Like, you know, you just uh, are the worst coach ever and everything. That's, I mean, that's what we saw against the Bears. And it was a bad coaching job against the Bears. But in order to lose enough games to completely miss the playoffs and fail in these final five games, it might have to be a bad coaching job. I don't know. Like the next two games against backup quarterbacks, you feel like you should win. I, I just, I feel like if they end up seven and 10 after being six and four, that we're going to get a lot of, whoa, uh, is Kevin O'Connell not the coach that we thought? Now, I don't think any of us feel that way, but I do think that the fans will feel that way. I think that'll be a narrative for sure. Fans, um, maybe various websites. Like I think that will that will happen. Various websites? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I, I think that will be discussed, uh, and that will be a talking point. The most important thing is I don't think that anybody in the Vikings building will think that way um, from ownership down to Quasi and, and the other coaches and it's been players, unless it really is a disaster, like, and they start losing games by more than three points, which they haven't really done all year. Um, especially the next couple of weeks, like, yeah, you can maybe make an argument there, but I think Kevin O'Connell, they could lose out and he has earned the right to um, have some belief in the way he has built this thing, the trajectory that he has um, the Vikings on, and I, he has earned the right to have a very, very big say, um, the biggest say in choosing a quarterback uh, next year if they are in position to do so. Yeah, and it's as far as being on the outside and saying if one little thing were different and trying to pick and choose, like if they just didn't drop five passes a game to start the season, if they didn't fumble three times a game each of those first three games, like the point is like if they didn't have those kind of mistakes, a couple wins or losses, they might have been what, would have been six and two or five and three at that point when Kirk goes down, like they, they had to climb out of a bad hole. And they, since then they beat San Francisco with Kirk. And then they went on to have, I think an impressive win uh, against the Falcons, obviously without him. Um, it's been some good coaching jobs. And I think with Brian Flores, no matter what happens, that's been a success, obviously. Um, it's just a question of, can they get this offense going? And I don't think it has to take a bad coaching job for them to tank. If Josh Dobbs goes out there and throws, two picks in the first half and they switch to Mullins and then Mullins gets hurt and then they have to go in and go to Dobbs. Like if there's more quarterback chaos, if there's more just awful performances, like could we, anybody have predicted the way Alexander Madison was going to play this year? 
Like it's just been completely awful. The way TJ Hawkinson started the year was completely awful. Like they've had some individual performances that have just been baffling this year that that are are expected and were paid to be different. And that's to me, there are some moments where it's not just about coaching. It's about those guys out there just playing better. Yeah, and we've, we've returned to also Ed Ingram watch a little bit uh, against the Bears. That was not very good. We've kind of forgot about that for a while, but it was he didn't give Brian O'Neill a lot of help. You know, again, you guys are being very reasonable, <laughs> very, very reasonable, Too reasonable. What? Well, fans aren't reasonable, but it's not all your fault, fans. It's also owners aren't reasonable either. Uh, and I'll, I mean, even with Kevin O'Connell, he basically admitted to doing the same thing after Chicago that all fans do anyway where he was so mad about the loss that he blamed the quarterback and was overreacting to everything he just saw and not taking in. So even if someone as experienced in him could still have this same reaction, be like, yeah. I'll play Mullins. And then he like calmly goes back and looks at the tape and be like, oh, no, yeah. I won't. <laughs> I can't. There's no option there. But uh, I just mean that everyone, all of us are susceptible to what we just saw reacting to as opposed to trying to look at the full landscape. And that also brings me to the Kirk Cousins element of this, because I think if they have a bad ending to the season, then Kevin O'Connell is going to want his quarterback back, knowing that they won 13 games, knowing as well as Kirk Cousins was playing at the beginning of the season. But if they win, I think that might be a little bit different. Like winning buys you just more patience. If you can get to nine and eight, if you could get into the playoffs, think about Seattle last year. They got throttled in the playoffs. But what did everyone say about Seattle? Hey, man, I didn't expect that team to make the playoffs. So good for them. Hey, those Vikings, they lost their quarterback, made the playoffs. That's the important thing. Then I think you have more flexibility and more belief to kind of do what you want there at the quarterback position as opposed to, oh, my God, we missed the playoffs. We need to get our quarterback back. Even if ironically making the playoffs gives you a worse draft pick than than missing, yeah, I I understand what you're saying with with that element of. It. I actually think this is a bold prediction. I actually think Josh Dobbs is going to play well on Sunday. I just think like you you didn't want to overreact to, and we were all guilty of this. I was guilty of this. I tweeted like during this first half against the Saints, like, what if Josh Dobbs is just the quarterback for the next five years? That's how good he looked. Um, you don't want to overreact to how well he was playing at first against the Falcons and Saints, because that was not sustainable, spinning out of eight broken tackles and and launching a ball off one leg to TJ Hawkinson. You also don't, I think, want to overreact to um, what happened against the Bears. And yes, there were four interceptions. A lot, a few of them were deflected. One of them was on a fourth down. He did not play well by any means. I think it's kind of a pendulum here. I think he's going to swing back um, and play well, and then maybe we'll start to overreact again, and then he'll play poorly against the Bengals or something like that. Is it really funny though? Because you're like, I would. Ne- I'm always rational. I would never overreact, but I did shave. <laughs> but I love him to my chest <laughs> in the first half of the Saints game. I'm more rational on Thursdays than I am on Sundays. <laughs> uh, well, since you're making predictions, I assume that means you think the Vikings will win. I do. I, I think the Vikings will win. Um, I think I mean, both teams are coming off a bye, um, but they they rested up. They get Jefferson back. They get a Caleb Evans back, which which can't kind of be overlooked. Um, Makai Blackman slides back into that um, kind of bit player, third cornerback role. Um, and Evans might see um, a fair amount of Devontae Adams just with kind of the size speed profile that he brings. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Vikings win this game, uh, and I think Alexander Madison will not get his first rushing touchdown of the season. I'm on I'm on that watch, by the way. I looked up the on Stathead, great, great website. 
Um, you can do the custom searches. He's getting up there for most carries in a season without a rushing touchdown. Like each week, he's he's climbing that leaderboard. So we'll see if it happens. Josh Dobbs might have a rushing touchdown though. He he's probably will. Like fourth or fifth of the season. Um, in these seven games without Justin Jefferson, the Vikings allowed over 21 points or over 325 yards just once in that seven in those seven games. Like they were playing lights out defensively. Brian Flores's group um, got better. Uh, when Justin Jefferson went out, uh, when the team needed them to get better. Um, I think Aiden O'Connell is going to have a bad day uh, against Brian Flores. I'll continue to uh, make these predictions on behalf of the Vikings defense or on them when they go up against such lesser quarterbacks. Uh, I think it's going to be different when it is a Jamar Chase the following week, when it is a Jared Goff and, and ben, uh, ben Johnson offense in Detroit. But in this matchup, I have a hard time seeing the Vikings not winning in a way that they were comfortably winning in, in times against Carolina or against Chicago when it was uh, Tyson Bajan. Well, I do think that uh, Aiden O'Connell will have to practice his silent count because uh, the Viking takeover there for the fans is going to make it very difficult on a rookie quarterback and is also, I think, really deflating to the team. And this one, I mean, this my expectation is this is completely purple, uh, similar to what we saw in 2019 with the Chargers, yeah. where they just took over the stadium entirely. So that's going to be pretty tough for them. I have no belief. Their last 17-plus point win. That's, oh, that yeah, Chargers right? game. Yeah, well, that, well, this might be the next one. I, I don't have a whole lot of respect for the Raiders, and I think that all this effort and all this work to get Josh Dobbs doing the things he's comfortable with will work. And oh, by the way, Justin Jefferson. I mean, for the record, I think it's very reasonable to think they could go three and two, but we haven't really discussed the scenario if they don't and all the things we could potentially be saying if they don't. So that was the main subject, but I still think they have a very good chance to make the playoffs. It's going to be a tough one for AP. Sorry. For eight, for Antonio eight, for Pierce. Yeah. We, Antonio we didn't Pierce. talk about Justin Jefferson that much, but like that's because he's just really good. Yeah. And <laughs> it's going to help their offense to get him back. I'm very curious to see how it looks with how like the Raiders defend him. And if you're Josh Dobbs, when what's the line where you, you know, throw into double coverage because he's the best receiver on the planet. So that'll be interesting to watch. But Justin Jefferson is, is very good. He's helpful. Isn't that why some people make media careers by like criticizing LeBron? Because what else is there to say about LeBron? Like, whoa. Dang, that man's good. So if you're if you're not like, oh, he missed a free throw, he's the worst. He'll never be Jordan. Like I found that with Justin Jefferson, where the first year was like, oh, can this guy really be this good? And then once he was, it was like, all right, what else we got? What else we what? Uh, that's fine. Now yeah. we'll move on. Uh, but that, I guess that's the nature of the biz. So anyway, thank you all for listening slash watching the uh, Raggets Roundtable. We will do it again next week, and we'll see where we stand. I'm guessing. Back very much in the playoff race, but if it's not, then we will have a lot to discuss. All right. Thanks, everybody. We will catch you next.